Welcome to Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic, where we promote integration and collaboration. Whether you are just starting your practice or you are ready to push the profession forward, we aim to provide you all the tools necessary to form relationships and educate your community. After all, spines of all sizes deserve to be adjusted. Welcome to our podcast and thanks for listening. Hey guys, it's Dr. K with Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic. I have Dr. Susan Rocker of the Animal Medical Center of Mid-America, and she's a doctor of chiropractic that teaches at Options for Animals, and she has the distinguished privilege of working together with veterinarians in a fully integrative uh, vet clinic for small animals. So in this podcast, we talk a little bit more about her experience um, working in a fully integrative clinic and her experience teaching at Options and more. Hey guys. Treating patients is not about doing everything alone. When you're starting a practice, it can be hard getting out there, marketing yourself, talking to other providers about what you do. I get it. I am strongly introverted. I do not like talking to other people. And the last thing I want to do is try and sell myself. But it is really important when I'm working on patients that I remember I am working together as a team. So there are other parts to the animal care team and I need to do my part to reach out and talk with them and learn from them about what is important that they're doing that impacts what I'm doing and vice versa. So I really love the Evidence-Based Chiropractor, a program developed by Dr. Jeffrey Langmaid because it helps bridge the gap between medical doctors and chiropractors so that way we can figure out what is best for our patients. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about his program, I recommend you looking him up on the Evidence-Based Chiropractor chiropractor.com. Hey guys, it's Dr. K with Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic. I'm super excited to have uh, Susan Rorker, I can't say it again, the second the uh, camera goes on, um, here for um, a podcast where we're going to talk about her and her practice. She has a unique opportunity where she practices in Missouri at um, a rehab clinic and she integrates chiropractic into that. So thank you so much for being here, Doc. Thank you. Okay, so tell us a little bit more about you, where you went to school, uh, where you practice, and a little bit more about your training. Sure, so I had wanted to be a veterinarian since I was like five years old, so I went to the path of getting my bachelor's in animal science and pre-professional zoology. Um, I didn't make it into vet school my first year. I was waitlisted at number 16. And then the second year, I wasn't even considered to get into vet school. So I kind of had to switch gears a little bit. And um, I went into chiropractic school. So I went and got my doctorate of chiropractic from Logan. And as I was going through Logan, I worked for the Humane Society of Missouri. At that time, it's now known as the Animal Medical Center of Mid-America. And whenever I was working for them... The vet and I that I work with closely now kind of came up with this idea to start a rehab practice, including the chiropractic laser and some other services. Um, And so it was about five years later that I had the opportunity to move back and actually run the integrated veterinary pain management center that we have now. Um, And so a little bit of a process in getting here, but um, it's definitely well worth it. And then I went to animal chiropractic school at Options for Animals, which I am an instructor there as well. Um, and then I've been down to the St. Louis area again for about five years now. So, so tell me a little bit more about this relationship you had. Were you working with that veterinarian in the basically the Humane Society prior and then you guys just got talking and thought it would be a cool idea or was there interest in that um, that vet in rehabilitation maybe before you joined and you just stirred that interest? Um, he was always on the forefront of like the pain medications and different pain um, modalities that were available so when we started working together um, kind of brought that out on it in his his um, research and everything um, so he, <clears throat> him and I, like I said, I was his clinic assistant and surgery assistant whenever I was working for the Humane Society before. Um, and so we worked together very closely, um, and more of one-on-one for about five years before, um, I went to work on people for five years and then came back to the Humane Society. So, 
So So what did he do while you were not with him for five years? Was he just kind of doing the status quo, what he had always been doing? And then you guys came back and you strategized? Um, He actually got promoted to the assistant medical director of Mm -hmm. the um, Humane Society or the Animal Medical Side of the Humane Society. And so he had a lot more influence in getting the, the pain management center moving. Um, we had just built a brand new facility and when they were building the facility, he wanted to make sure we had a, a room specifically for the pain management. And so when they installed that, they installed an underwater treadmill, a laser, and then they asked me to come back and run the chiropractic part of things. And did this vet have experience with chiropractic before uh, meeting with you or did you kind of plant the seed there? I planted that seed there as well. Yeah. So he obviously had heard of it before, but it was probably the first time he'd actually had any experience whenever I was there going to school and everything. So was there a particular case where, um, you know, you two are working together and he's like, holy mackerel, this stuff works. Are there any cool cases that you guys have worked together with or on? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Over the years, we've seen some really cool cases. Um, The first um, patient that we had that we worked up in, we didn't have the pain center yet, but we worked up as a rehab patient was we had a six-month-old pitbull puppy that had gotten hit by a car and had uh, multiple femur fractures. And so he ended up amputating the leg. It was her right rear, if I'm remembering correctly. And so she also had brachial plexus injury on the left front. And so she was essentially hopping around on two legs. And so we did laser rehab. I was still in school for the animal or for chiropractic. And so I didn't do very much chiropractic on her um, since I wasn't certified. Um, But once I was certified, I have been working on the animals that I, that I treat um, and so she was our first one. And our latest one is Susie Q. She's the one that's on my Facebook profile page. Um, she is a 10 month old paralyzed puppy. She came from Texas. Um, and the PetSmart charities knew that we have the rehab facility. And so they reached out to us specifically to take over her care. And so we, we have been taking care of her and she's slowly making progress. Um, with her paralysis, she'll get better and then she'll plateau when she's the growth spurt and then she gets better again. And so we've kind of been fighting that growth spurt kind of changes for a little while. So, um, but I've seen several patients that have been paralyzed come back even after being deep pain negative and everything. So it's kind of cool because it, it impresses him and it impresses me because I kind of, some of those patients, I kind of am like, I don't know. I don't think yes. they're going to get better. And then, yeah. then they surprise me. So it's talk to me a little bit more about that because I similarly, I don't know if you practice only on small animal, but I see a lot of small animal patients and there's a lot of cases that come to me and I may be their plan C, you know, they fail oh, yeah. plan A, plan B, maybe finances weren't there. And I'm yeah. just like, I don't know if I can help you, but let's give it a shot. Can you talk a little bit more about, you know, how you manage that, especially as a new doctor out in practice mentally, what's going through your mind and how do you overcome that feeling? Um, so it's nice because I've got two technicians, myself and the veterinarian that I work with, Dr. Art. Um, so we kind of come up with a collaboration team effort. And so where if I get a little self-conscious, there's always somebody there to kind of pick up the piece, you know what I mean? To pick up the slack um, as far as that goes. And so it's, um, it's definitely rewarding to have the team aspect um, and it's definitely has made it a lot easier, I think, just, you know, mentally and everything too. So would you say that's the best part about working as a part of a rehabilitative team is having colleagues there to maybe support one another and have different treatment approaches? Or what do you love most about working in an integrative setting? Yeah, um, so I definitely do appreciate that. But I think the best thing for me, um, most of my patients are elderly. Um, and so just giving them that quality of life, whatever quantity, I can't tell you how many owners have come to me afterwards 
just completely appreciative that they're, you know, we gave them their dog an extra six months of being able to move around and be active and everything. Um, but it is nice to have those other colleagues in house to when we do lose one of those patients that we do have somebody to kind of support and understand what's going on since they also have had those same experiences with those those pets so so since you started you know I feel like you had um pretty much a golden opportunity walking into this this uh relationship you had with someone who is on the forefront which is which is great what has been the response been in your community starting this you know basically cutting edge kind of, um, you know, approach for these patients or other veterinarians referring to you? Do you guys, you know, strictly have people come straight to you or, or what does that look like? What does the patient flow and the response to other veterinarians in the community look like? Sure. So we, we are, all of our patients for the most part come from, from out of the general community. Um, we only have a few that we see that are actually shelter animals that are coming over to our side of the clinic. Um, <clears throat> so we do have several in-house referrals, and then a lot of the owners are actually seeking out this kind of care themselves. Um, and so they've seen it on TV because we're on TV quite regularly locally in the on the you know Fox or whatever. Um, and so we are on online quite a bit as well with different stories and stuff. So, so the, the general public is getting more and more acclimated to having all these services available. And so a lot of times it is the owners that are coming forward and kind of requesting these services. And then when we do get a new patient, we, um, again, team effort, we take measurements of the muscle circumference, we're doing the chiropractic evaluations, we're doing range of motions. Um, a lot of them we're doing radiographs just to make sure that there's not something else going on. Um, I can't tell you how many times we've found, you know, an osteosarcoma or even yesterday we had one that we were really surprised with. We did an abdominal x-ray and we found um, gallstones which is really, really uncommon in dogs. Um, and so just those kind of things and just having access to all those modalities has really been beneficial. And then having multiple different ways to approach each situation is also beneficial. Um, I, we kind of equate it to, we have some owners that do like the Cadillac level of care, which means they're getting platelet-rich plasma, they're getting chiropractic, they're getting laser medications, all of that and underwater treadmill. And then we have others that they can only afford coming in for a chiropractic visit every six months or so. So there's kind of just a wide range of services that we offer and kind of curtail it to each patient that comes in. So are you um, per se, you know, a lot, I know a lot of animal chiropractors. So for example, myself, I work at several different vet clinics and I'm like an independent contractor. I come in one day a week. Um, yeah. and then I just see my patients and then, you know, I leave, you know, I pretty much do my own business, but I just rent space from that location. Would you sure. say that you do something similar or are you actually like they see your veterinarian and then they recommend chiropractic care and it's more integrative. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that process? What that looks like? Yeah. So I am a salaried employee, so I work full-time. I've got two locations at this point. We have four underwater treadmills, two lasers, two therapeutic ultrasounds. Um, we only have me, the one chiropractor, and the one veterinarian. And like I said, we have two technicians. Um, and so uh, I see uh, pretty much all of our cases at one point or another coming through. Um, the post-surgical ones I am not quite as involved with as the ones that are just coming in kind of off the street. Um, and those were definitely getting both doctors involved in the process and everything. Um, so, so yeah, it's a little bit different. Um, and it is, like I said, more of a team type effort instead of where most of the animal chiropractors I know, they just kind of work out of the veterinarian's office and they pay, you know, part of their their stuff to kind of like you said rent the room so 
Um, well, that's really cool that you have the ability to, you know, talk with the doctors about the cases, have set hours, um, maybe not deal with all this, the scheduling and all the billing yeah. and stuff like that, which, you know, right. is probably the hardest part about being an animal chiropractor is you have to become a business owner. And right. that doesn't come naturally to everyone. I, I think no one's surprised when I say that. <laughs> right. Um, so that's a really unique opportunity you have. Um, and especially in a state such as it's Missouri, right? That right. You're working in. Talk yeah. to me a little bit more about, you know, the legalities of working in your state and, um, you know, it's a direct supervision state to my understanding. So yeah. working in a rehab facility, awesome, right? You have that, you know, built in, um, maybe some other yeah. chiropractors, maybe are a little envious about that. So talk to me about, you know, where that is and maybe where it could be, because I understand you're trying to push the legislation to maybe not be that in that state. Yeah, so right now, um, we've tried the legislative route where we've, you know, done the petitions, we've actually signed it, and we've had somebody sponsor the bill, and so on and so forth, and that really didn't get too far. We've even met, there was one veterinarian on the state of representatives that we met with, and he said, don't give up, you know, you eventually will get there, um, you just have to keep, keep at it. Um, and so that was encouraging, even though we didn't get the outcome that we wanted at that time. Um, and so we've kind of gone a different route now. We're trying to work with the um, chiropractic board um, and get something going in that direction versus the veterinary board. So where we would be under supervision of our chiropr chiropractic board instead of the veterinary board. So it would circumvent a lot of those issues that we would have it, that we do have currently. Um, the nice thing about being under a direct supervision state, the veterinary board can only give us a cease and assist order. They can't go after our actual chiropractic license. So our chiropractic license is protected. Um, so we are, would be able to go back to the human side of things very, very rapidly or readily um, without any problems. Um, but at most, the veterinary board could give us a fine of some sort, but um, I don't think that they've gotten to that point. I know that they have given cease and assist orders on a pretty regular basis, though. So, well, that's kind of nice because um, not every state is that the case. You know, in Texas, yeah. they can send a cease and desist and they can take your license because technically, um, I know animal chiropractic is covered in the veterinary scope of practice. So, we're walking a fine line um, sometimes when we're practicing in a state where supervision is required. Um, right. You know, and that, that can be scary, especially if, you know, what you're doing, you just want to help serve animals and maybe you don't know the laws as well as maybe you should. Um, right. And I think it's interesting um, that you try the vet board first and now you're trying the animal chiropractor, or excuse me, the chiropractic association, the, uh, the chiropractic board. So what has been the response been um, from the vet board? Do they seem disinterested in changing the legislature and uh, versus the the chiropractic board, do they seem interested? Because I know I've, I've tried both here in Texas and they're just like, you know, small, small fry, you know, we don't need to focus on that right now. We got bigger issues right now. So tell me a little bit about the difference between the vet board and the chiro board. Yeah. From my experience, the vet board has just said, don't do it. Don't do it. They don't even like really say you can do it under supervision. So they're kind of wanting us to stay away from it. Um, the chiropractic board so far seems to be supportive, but we haven't got it completed yet as far as that goes. So we're hoping eventually that it will get done, um, you know, just with anything, you know, just getting the verbiage right, getting all of our ducks in a row as far as that goes is kind of in the process. Um, and COVID obviously has slowed everything down for that part of things as well because um, they were regularly having uh, meetings every quarter, if not monthly. And now they're kind of, you know, a little bit more periodic as far as the, the meetings go. And they're mostly virtual at this point. So. so what is the approach we're taking now? Is it um, basically chiropractors are signing a petition or are we looking to, you know, maybe get some funds so we can hire lawyers or where are we at in that stage right now in Missouri? Um, we're just kind of waiting and seeing, um, they've got everything they need, I think in their hands right now. Um, so hopefully it's just a matter of, um, them getting 
together and finalizing everything, having the lawyers look at everything, make sure that we're not overstepping anything like that, and then coordinating um, and then getting everything signed up, signed into um, the specialty. So awesome. Was there any particular uh, sticky points you guys ran into when when we're processing this or anything we can do um, to help? Um, I mean, we any research is always good to present to to the board to just make sure that we are you know valid in that aspect of things um but you know like i said it's just a matter of making sure the legalities and the verbiage and all that stuff you know getting the legalese i would say kind of right to where it'll pass without any problems well, here's for fingers crossed and prayers oh, yeah. up because I know there are several docs in Missouri that wish that the laws would change, um, right. particularly on the subject of animal research, which we sorely need. I mean, there's case studies galore, I feel like, for animal chiropractic, but right. it can be particularly challenging to have a research study that is in support of, you know, it's uh, chiropractic. There's really nothing you know, we stand to gain like financially, it's not a product or something like that. So we, you know, run into the, the pitfall where, you know, funding research can be challenging. Right. Um, since you're in a rehab facility and you maybe have a little bit more at your fingertips, do you guys have any research studies that you guys have partaken in or plan on doing in maybe the future? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it would be one thing that we really would like to get into. Unfortunately, right now I'm a little short staffed. And so so just the, the sheer amount of patients we have right now is kind of overwhelming um, for the most part. Um, so most of the days right now is a little bit of a slow time, um, but most days I'm there eight to six. And so, um, so that is a lot. And to come home and try to write a research paper is kind of overwhelming at this point. So I'm hoping eventually things will slow down a little bit, get, you know, staff um kind of worked back up and then I should have a little bit more time to get into some of those things so what I'm hearing is that there is a huge demand for what you do right yeah that's really yeah. really exciting and it sounds like you don't have enough people to help take care of the pets that you do have so um yeah. what would you say other than you know obviously hiring more techs to help you do you guys have any plans for making your office more efficient or um are you guys at a place where you're thinking expansion in terms of you know maybe hiring an associate what does that look like your plans for expansion yeah so right now our kind of our rate limiting step is um the veterinarian's availability because now Dr. Arndt, instead of being the assistant medical director, he is the medical director. Mm -hmm. And so he's only available certain times to come in for the pain center. And so um, once, you know, he makes a decision to either hire a vet specifically for the pain center or he himself transfers his, mm -hmm. you know, directorship to the pain center um, you know, that's kind of, like I said, kind of a rate limiting step right now. Um, like you said, with the law being as it is now, it kind of, we kind of do have to have that veterinary oversight and everything. So, yeah. So is he the primary treating vet for most of these cases? Yes. For the pain center cases. Yeah. And then in clinic, we also have, um, probably 10 veterinarians between the two locations. So, so there's plenty of veterinarians around, but not specifically for the pain center. So, yeah. Yeah. Is there any particular training that you would look for? And maybe someone that a vet that would want to come join your team? Um, I mean, ideally we'd have them CCRP certified or some kind of equivalent. Um, hopefully this year he will get certified and I can kind of sneak in under the clinic assistance part of things. Mm -hmm. um, as far as I know, Michelle Rogers. Yep, is the only one that has a dual certification um, since she was from South Africa she actually had it in her scope of practice to be able to go to the CCRP program mm -hmm. um, so like I said hopefully I will be as well later this year um, and then especially if that law does change in Missouri um, with it being part of our scope of practice then it would make it easier to go to different certifications like that interesting so, so what I'm hearing is that you're trying to change the scope of animal chiropractors practice. So what all does that include 
and maybe we'll open up a floodgate of, of what's available to us. Was there a particular verbiage you guys included? Um, so kind of just like the same verbiage we have for the chiropractic part of things with the, the physiotherapies and that kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. Trying to get that kind of incorporated in there. Right. Um, like I said, whether or not that will be in the final, the final law or specialty yeah. is yet to be determined. But yeah, ideally we would add different things like acupuncture or physiotherapies wow. or nutrition even yeah. to that specialty that we could kind of expand, yeah. expand our knowledge base. Yeah. Well, that, that would be interesting because I know this couple of practices in my laws in Texas, literally the only thing I'm supposed to do is palpate the spine, find what's stuck and fix what's stuck. But there's a lot of cases that, like you said, they, they need some rehab. They need some kind of, you know, exercises and it's a gray area. It's not explicitly written. Like right. I can recommend some stretches or I can recommend some strengthening exercises, but I think many people don't realize about animal chiropractors, especially if they're a DC, we have training in physical therapy, extensive right. training in human physical therapy. And, um, a lot of it crosses over to animal patients. You know, you don't feed a human being a cookie every time they do a, you know, an exercise, that's probably the only part that's very, very different. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, we, we know how to use a lot of the modalities. We, we know what kind of muscle groups are there and what they're supposed to do. And we have a, you know, really, really well-trained hands as far as palpating muscles. So I'd be interested to see if you guys did get that included in your scope, because I get asked all the time, what exercises should be, should I be doing? What joint supplement should my dog take? And, um, you know, can you do acupuncture? Because every small animal person is on the acupuncture train right now. So right. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if you went into that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see if, if that scope does open up and, uh, potentially what that could do for the other States. Um, I'm curious right. to see, um, you know, if that could be a reality for Texas because, um, you know, there's, there's so many great providers here, but because of the scope, I feel like a lot of us fly under the radar. We, you know, there's so much we have to offer that we kind of have to just zip our, our mouth shut because, you know, we're, I'm only assessing the spine today. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say there is a great resource. So I use what's called Physiotech through uh -huh. our EHR program. Mm -hmm. And so that has a lot of um, exercises that you can actually email to owners and that will give them a video explanation as well as you can type out your own explanations. So that's kind of a nice resource. Mm -hmm. Um to use for the at-home exercises as well. So, yeah, I did use that for a brief while I did, uh, during COVID, I was kind of unsure if people would have me out. I was a, um, mostly mobile, um, small animal duck and I was traveling around and I was like, I don't know if anyone's going to let me out. So I, I did enroll and got that. Um, I think it's canine home exercises.com or something okay. like that. It's physiotech. Yeah. Um, and, people loved it. It was okay. very thorough. You're able to like see the exercise. They could record how many reps and how long they did it. So that's, that's a great piece. Um, just for practice management is, you know, record yourself doing a couple of these exercises that you're recommending or, right. you know, on your EHR, like show the problem areas, highlight them. Um, so the owners can see it because it, it really does, you know, get them more involved with the care, you know, seeing yeah. us leaving, right? I don't know if you can talk to that about, you know, the owners getting engaged with care. Do you find that they do better when you send the take-home materials versus not? Yeah, I think it makes them a little bit more compliant. And then I think too, whenever they're actually focusing on a specific exercise, mm -hmm. when they can see, okay, Fluffy can only do one of these in the beginning, and now they can do 15, they can track that progress at home, as well as see it in the clinic. Um, I think that makes a huge difference. And I think to just like, especially because we see quite a few post-op ones that are coming through that have had CCL repairs, Lexian Teller repairs and so on, that it is nice to have that through the rehab process as well, so. Do you have a hand in the rehab of the patients or are you mostly just doing the chiropractic care? Um, yeah, I've got my hand in the rehab part of things too. Um, and then, like you said, a lot of what we've learned in chiropractic school or I've got a master's in sports rehab. So 
a lot of those kind of translates right over translate right over and so yeah um we've got some people in town that have used the underwater treadmill and they've just put them in a big harness and so it's not very active as far as what the dog is doing or the cats um and so i kind of do it a little bit differently where i'll have a harness with a handle and then it's mostly just them and it's active and so we do like interval type training where they will walk for several minutes and take a break and then walk again. So, so it makes it a little bit different, just, you know, our mentality of what we've learned and everything. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. I have a uh, one dog in, uh, I think it's California. Um, I forget it. I think it's Dr. Block, uh, Norman Block. And he actually adjusts dogs in the water. Have you ever done that? In, no in, no okay I was yeah. just curious because I was like that's a very interesting because especially I don't know if you guys have a pool I know even on our treadmill that's like a non-weight bearing environment so I was wondering if the adjustment yeah. versus weight bearing versus non-weight bearing if there's any difference you know I guess it's like a knee chest versus a you know a normal table right right so, yeah different right um, yeah so just something to think about in case you ever want like a research study idea um but is there anything maybe like first getting started that, you know, you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. You know, any like um, things you learned along the way that maybe you would want to impart to our new docs in practice that are wanting to maybe move forward with a vision similar to yours? Yeah, I mean, just making those relationships, I think it was imperative um, and just kind of the right time, the right place kind of thing was really important for my situation. Um, but those relationships are vital. Um, I've got another opportunity coming up for another lecture. Um, so I'm excited about that. And so again, it's just those relationships that you build up over time. Um, and then you do have to believe in your hands. So, um, my first patient chiropractic patient after school was a, um, IVDD. IVDD dog and she was paralyzed for over two weeks um, and so she didn't have any control over bladder and bowel um, and she couldn't wire her tail and everything else and she'd already been to a chiropractor in town that was certified in animal chiropractic um, and so I was very very nervous um, and so uh, the first time we I worked on her. I had the vet with me and the owner. I was tractioning her spine and she started wagging her tail. And so the owner got really excited and I was almost in tears because I was so nervous coming into that appointment. And so um, she was about 14 at the time. So she was not a good surgical candidate. And so we we got her back up and walking. Of course, the owner and all of the stuff that she was doing at home really, really helped. Um, but yeah, just having that communication and just having that confidence is is huge um, when you're out there practicing on these animals. Well, awesome is you know that's that's a great case. I have a couple of was it a weenie dog? Was it? Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. There's always going to be a weenie dog story. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, are there any tips and tricks you have for building these relationships or, um, you know, building your confidence, whether it be practice reps on palpating your own dogs or whether it be, uh, this is what I say when I call a veterinarian, do you have any specific things like tactical steps that these uh, new docs can use? Um, I mean, I think the most, like for me, the best part of doing what I did going through wanting to be a veterinarian, I worked with the vets for several years. So I've got over 10 years of experience before being an animal chiropractor, um, just learning the terminology, the lingo, kind of how they relate to each other and how they talk to each other, I think was, was very, very beneficial for me. I know that wouldn't be a very good option for somebody that's just coming out of school, but I, the more time you could spend with the veterinarians in their elements is probably the best thing that you can do. Like I said, just learning the lingo, learning what medications they're using, what their thought process is. Um, and then, you know, if you can get in a clinic and kind of, like you said, be around them, um, then you're going to get exposed to like looking at the radiographs and looking at different parts of their exams as well. So that's really great advice because I think many times 
maybe you can speak to this being a DC coming out where I don't, I don't want to say we have imposter syndrome, but we always feel like an outcast. Like we're on our own Island. We're the black sheep and maybe we feel unwelcome. And um, we almost feel like we have to, um, you know, prove ourselves and we have to uh, make these people like us. And I think we forget, especially when we're building these relationships that they're people too. Like they're just another human being. They have thoughts, they have emotions. Um, They're not always right. We're not always right. Like they're just another human being. So building that relationship, I think if we act like a normal person, not like we have to always impress that. I I feel like that comes a little bit more more naturally because I know when I started out, I felt like I had to be a salesperson. I felt like I had to have like a pitch and I had to have like an offer and they were buying chiropractic. Like that's essentially what I felt like I was doing. But when I got the opportunity to be in this vet hospital, work together with these veterinarians. I was like, oh, they're just people too. They're just trying to do the best they can with a patient that doesn't give them a thorough history. Right. (laughs) Um, Because as we know, owners aren't always the best at giving us a history. Um, So, you know, you get a a better understanding as to what they deal with day in, day out. And especially um, I want to talk a brief moment about, you know, the state of the world right now and how, how hard it has been on the veterinary community and how, you know, busy everyone has been, especially when dealing with animal patients. So can you speak a little bit more about in your community specifically, what has that veterinary community struggled with, especially? Um, I would say staffing is probably number one. Um, Well, and two, you know, whenever you have COVID go through your facility, then you're really, really short staffed. And so keeping the staff healthy, keeping everyone kind of together as a team has been probably the most difficult um, part of the, the whole situation. Um, we've kind of, we're a little slow getting to the curbside type appointment settings. And then we finally got out of the curbside. And then just recently with the numbers kind of spiking, they decided to go into the curbside appointments again, um, which was pretty difficult, especially in the beginning, because I was so used to having the owners come in and we would talk and kind of go over what was going on with the animal for say up to an hour at a time for each visit. Um, and so whenever that was taken away and I was isolated in the room by myself, it was very difficult um, just mentally to kind of, get through that part of things, it's definitely better now. Um, And we definitely do spend quite a bit of time with our owners. Um, And I think that's probably what the veterinarians on our side kind of deal with the most is they're only seeing these animals maybe once a year, twice a year, whereas we build up a relationship in the pain management center with these animals and the owners. And so that human connection is much more prevalent and I know the there's a couple of the girls that is that are on the clinic side that have been dealing with some mental health issues as well. Um, and if you don't know, um, veterinary medicine is one of the highest ranking um, suicide rates in just different professions. So unfortunately, that is something that we kind of have to keep in the back of our minds and support each other whenever we can, because um, we don't want to lose any more of our colleagues to that, to suicide or anything like that. Yeah. It'd be a very trying, you know, profession just in general pandemic aside, because, you know, we, we grow very attached to our animal patients. We want to do everything we can for them. And, you know, they're not human beings. There's not always health insurance that comes along with it. Sometimes right. there's a, I'll just get a new dog mentality, which is hard because you can't always set your emotions aside from that. And uh, the hours are long and the pay isn't always there. Right. And, um, you know, I find um, my patients in general, when we add in, the integrative, the chiropractic kind of stuff, I feel owners are happier. Sometimes when um, we get into a reactive care model, like uh, most of Western healthcare is, I feel like emotions are high. And especially when it comes to, you know, these people that have dogs that are actually their children, because they're not having human children. Um, when we're always, always waiting for an emergency, and then a big price tag comes with that emergency, um, 
you know, stress level when we go to the vet is high for the owner and the animal, right? So um, I find with the integrative stuff, especially animal chiropractic, owners are happy because it's a small price tag and it's wellness building. So we're preventatively addressing some of the things and maybe we catch things early as yeah. well. So you're speaking yeah. um, about the osteosarcoma and stuff like that. There have been other things that you're, you know, you maybe see the pet 10 to 12 times more than the veterinarian. There've been other things that you've picked up on um, that was prudent and you got that animal in for, you know, earlier care. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, cause we see our patients in the pain management center up to twice a week even. And so, you know, we're tracking weight loss, we're tracking, you know, say the color looks good or there's just something, you know, you trust your doctor instincts and you're like, there's still something going on there. And so then you do a little bit more evaluation and then you find different things. Um, I've got a 187 pound massive that's coming in tomorrow and he has thyroid issues. He's had cranial cruciate ligament tears and just a multitude of different issues, you know, and like you said, chiropractic's just part of that treatment plan. So, so yeah, it is kind of a give and take. Um, we've also found the one patient had a, a melanoma in his mouth and he went through the chemotherapy and everything as well. So so yeah, it's just, you know, checking the whole animal out, getting, like you said, the history. Um, Cause that's another thing that happens a lot of times, you know, the first time you meet a new owner, they give you just a little bit, but as you spend more and more time with them, little things kind of come up and then you can get those addressed a little bit more quickly than if you were not in a veterinary type setting. So the coolest thing I think about what I do is when I'm when I'm doing my chiropractic evaluation on an animal and I'll ask them like, has your dog ever like held this leg up or skipped on her hind leg or has your pet ever not wanted to, you know, play tug of war or like, I'll ask them something and the owner's like, Oh yeah. How do you know that? And it, it's really cool to that, you know, validify, you know, my, my hands know what they're feeling so, right? <laughs> because there's, you know, things you can feel that an animal can't lie about. Um, you know, and specifically, you know, luxane patella or jaw pain or something like that, like the examples I just gave out. Um, it, it's really cool to, you know, do that because then the owner's like, oh yeah. And then, well, what else didn't I tell you? And then they turn into, <laughs> like, right. I, I feel like you're like, okay, that's too much information after you yeah. start asking those questions. So I'm sure you've right. run into that yourself because yeah. um, I really feel like the relationship we have with these owners and these pets um, is a little bit more, you know, deep because we do see an animal more yeah. often yeah. and, um, we're, we're seeing them in a setting where maybe they're not afraid to be there and we're not poking, we're not prodding, we're not doing any needles or temperatures or anything like that. So most animals I feel like are happy to come in for their care. Would you agree yeah. with that? Yeah. And I have several of them that have to come in initially with a muzzle on or like really, you know, really restrained and everything else. Um, most of the time, whenever I'm working with them, I don't have any of that equipment on them and they are pretty happy. Um, I had a chow and he, you walk up to the car and it sounds like he was going to come through the, the back door really? of the car and, you know, I would do laser with him and he'd be playing in my lap. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things too, that you build up that trust with the animal. Um, you build up that rapport and they, they tend to relax and you know, help you out with the, the services. So. Well, that's awesome. Do you have any particular tips and tricks you use to help animals feel at ease when they come into your appointments? Um, yeah, we do adaptal quite a bit in the office. So we have the diffusers going and everything. Um, I don't know. I've always had a way with animals and especially aggressive ones. Um, I grew up around all the power breeds. My grandma bred chows. My uncle had Rottweilers and pit bulls. So, you know, I don't really have too much of a fear with the dogs. And I think that makes a huge difference. Um, so just that confidence, you know, like I said, with being in the veterinary field for 10 years, you know, I kind of know a little bit more how to read an animal probably than somebody that hasn't had that that level of experience before as well too. So, um, and then we've also gone through the fear-free certification process. Um, some of the things I didn't like is they say specifically not to 
um, have a chiropractor look at the dogs in some of their videos, but um, I did email <laughs> them about that. So, <laughs> so they Just have a, a lot bit of, of commentary here. <laughs> <laughs> so they do have a few little tricks that, that tend cool. to help a little bit too. So awesome. Awesome. Well, do you um, practice on horses at all or are you strictly small animal? Um, for the most part, I'm small animal. We do have a rescue ranch um, that is um, about an hour and a half away um, that has the shelter animals through the, the ranch. Um, so occasionally I'll work on the shelter horses, goats. Um, they have a couple of probably pigs down there and everything. So occasionally I would go down there. So. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Doc. I really yeah. do appreciate it. Um, you know, there's quite a few people that choose options as their animal chiropractic training. Can you speak a little bit more about what you guys offer and uh, where they can find more information about the, the program that you teach at? Sure. So um, I've been teaching at options for about five years now. Um, and so um, I started out as a student there and they asked me to start to come in and teach immediately after graduation. And so, um, so it's been a really, really fun experience. I love meeting all the students. Um, and a lot of times in the summer course, we have all of our international students since it's consolidated a five week program. Um, and so I do enjoy that as well. Um, usually I'm going back about once every quarter to go back and teach. My next time I'm going back is the integrated part in February. Um, so the big review right before their big test um, to graduate and then the IVCA. The nice thing about at options, the IVCA um, actually comes to the school to test. So you only have to go there for your program and then they test you on that following Sunday. So that makes it a little bit more convenient um, than some of the other places. Um, and then uh, let's see what else. It's pretty reasonably priced. It's in the Kansas City area. So it's about 25 minutes outside of Kansas City. So it is pretty close to the airport. Um, so it is manageable. A lot of times we'll have a group of students that'll kind of carpool from the airport to the school. Um, and then I do teach at some of the advanced courses as well. Um, so we have, um, the last one I did was the PT or physical therapy part of things which obviously since I've been in it for about five years now, I have quite a bit of experience with that. Um, so, um, it, but it is the only chiropractic owned animal chiropractic school right yeah. now. It's great. Tell me a little bit more about these advanced courses and the physical therapy um, course that you, you help teach, because I'm sure there's lots of people that would love to advance their education. And perhaps, you know, me, myself, personally, I'd love to become rehab certified. Unfortunately, I feel like no one will take an animal chiropractor that's a DC. So I run into that roadblock. So talk to yeah. me a little bit more about the program that you guys offer. So it is just a 30 hour course. So it's a Thursday through Sunday course that we offer. It's every three years that we offer it. Um, it kind of just goes kind of a brief overview of the services that you can provide, how to get in touch with those um, different modalities. We do live in person. Um, you just kind of, we bring in lasers, we bring in the, the therapeutic ultrasound and different modalities that we can actually do hands-on with some of these products as well. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, it's, it's a 30 hour course. Um, we kind of divide it up into large and small animals a little bit. Um, and then we do other advanced courses. So we'll do like an advanced cervical, an advanced thoracolumbar. Um, a lot of times we'll add in a different, um, like hoof and ankle and that kind of thing. So Usually we do two advanced courses per year. Um, I believe our next one is in March and I believe it is the um, canine Olympics or the animal chiropractic Olympics. Do you guys offer any farm animal or um, exotic training at your uh, options? I know that the cattle adjusting is in the works. Um, I don't know where that one is as far as that one goes. Um, but we have talked about doing exotics. I think it's just a matter of getting enough, um, 
subjects to to practice on and kind of go through. It's it's funny. I have a couple of uh, colleagues that work on exotics and um, it, it's fun and it gets a lot of attention. But um, I, I'm under the persuasion that the people that own exotics are usually exotic themselves. <laughs> So I'm like, well, that's a lot of personality. So um, I know it can be challenging to find, um, you know, a limited amount of, you know, animals to practice on, especially ones that are not handled every single day and have some liability. So I was just wondering if that would be a course offering, because that is something that, you know, I got asked to adjust a cow not too long ago. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Thankfully, he was well handled. He's a Jersey cow. Um, But there's other ones that maybe perhaps like pigs or, you know, sheep or, you know, anything that, um, you know, FFA may use. Um, There's definitely some differences. Like I know pigs have different amounts of cervical vertebrae, less motion. Um, So there's definitely a lot of room to uh, learn. Um, There's always be learning when you're an animal chiropractor. There's so many different things about animals we need to know, species and otherwise. Um, okay. So wrapping up here, is there any other, uh, pieces of advice you have for new animal docs that are wanting to start their practice or, um, how can they reach out to you? Sure. Um, I would say for sure, you want to make sure you protect yourself and know the laws because they are so varied. I know like Iowa as an animal chiropractor, you're not allowed to adjust animals legally. Um, whereas Oklahoma, as long as you've got your certification and you have your card, you're good to go. Um, So for sure, know your laws. And then um, also um, just kind of make those veterinary connections. Um, Like I said, they're going to be invaluable um, down the road because if you have questions, they're a good resource. Or if they have questions, it's a kind of a give and take there for sure. Um, and then if you would like to reach out to me, um, I'm on Facebook at Susan Rucker DC, um, or my email address at, um, my work is my first initial and my last name. So S R O E C K E R at H S M O dot O R G, um, would be good, good, different ways to get a hold of me if you have any other questions. So well, thank you so much. I yeah. really appreciate your time, your yeah. wealth of information. And I'm really excited to have more integrative clinics like yours starting um, yeah. around the U.S. because I feel like integration is the future and animals get better care that way. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see how you guys expand and what you guys are, you know, going to be doing in the, these coming years of things, hopefully go back to normal. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So thank you guys for listening to our podcast, Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic. Um, We're really excited to have you here. And if there's anything we'd help to serve you in your growing business, please reach out. We're on makingstridesforanimalchiropractic.com. We're on social media, Facebook and Instagram. And I'd love to see you guys there. Until next time, we'll talk soon. Hey guys, Dr. Katie here. Thanks for listening. My intention behind starting this podcast was to build awareness and promote our amazing profession. If you like what we're doing here, please like, share, or leave a review. Help us to spread this movement so we all can begin to take steps towards change. Let's make strides for animal chiropractic.